With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Tim O'Malley with Tim Priester and Pete Sampson at Jack Freeman Studios uh, in the wake of the wake of 2016, perhaps a uh, 36-28 loss to Michigan State, and I would say no one saw it coming, but in the manner in which it happened, I don't think many Notre Dame followers saw that coming. Yeah, I mean, I think it, no one would be too strong, but not by a lot, because um, I, I think that we expected Michigan State to not play as well as they did uh, at the quarterback position, and I think particularly on the offensive line, like, that. Wasn't a great Michigan State offensive line, but they played great against Notre Dame. And even though Notre Dame's defensive line made a few plays early, they ultimately got beat up pretty good. Um, so that was that was a surprise to me. Um, the game plan falling completely on Deshaun Kaiser, that's not a surprise. And I, I think that's just sort of the way it has to be moving forward, whether Brian Kelly wants to publicly acknowledge that or not. Because where Notre Dame is defensively is not... They're just not in a good way right now. It's the last 19 games against Power 5 teams. They've given up 30 points or more to 12 of them. Of the seven, they haven't. Five of them finished with losing records. And Michigan State's definitely going to have a winning record this year. And, I mean, the red zone defense, nine or excuse me, 10 penetrations, nine touchdowns allowed. Um, that's that's not good enough. I mean, that, that's I don't care how many points people are scoring in college football today. Um I don't care about your special teams mistakes or your offensive inefficiencies. Your defense just has got to get better. And to hear Brian Kelly describe the defense on Sunday's teleconference, it suddenly we're into rebuilding. Uh, we're talking about Stud Still and Dalen Hayes and Julian Love and all the young players. And he said, you know, if we substitute anybody in, it's going to be a true freshman. But that's just where Notre Dame is. Um, they're a young defense all of a sudden, and they're they're rebuilding. Even though this is year three of Brian Big Order, and the, and the whole notion that you know everybody's giving up a lot of points, and I understand that Notre Dame just does it worse than than those teams. I mean, they do it in an uglier fashion because they they're 99th in the country in rushing defense, or 84th in pass defense, 102nd in total defense. They don't have any sacks. Last year, they're 34th in the country on third down defense. This year, they're 89th. Probably mainly because they don't tackle very well. Um, touchdown percentage in the red zone, 107th. We, I've written that a, a million times. And you know, if you go, if you also look at ten play, ten yard plays given up, twenty yard, thirty yard, forty yard. You go down the list, and their ranking just keeps getting worse and worse to the point where they're 127th in the country in 60 yard uh, plays allowed. So uh, beyond that, too. So. Um, you know, and the other thing, I mean... There's three games in, and there's a ranking for 60-yard plays allowed. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. And, yeah, and offensively, I mean, somebody on Twitter was saying, well, Kaiser did this and Kaiser did that. I mean, a list of priorities. Kaiser's the 20th rated problem. He's got to be a Heisman winner every time he goes on the field. And then, 
you know, this is a this is a pattern that does go back to last year. The offense doesn't do a good job of reacting to the defense giving up points, and that happened again because they should it be was, experienced in that regard. They should be yeah. very experienced in that, but it was you know following Michigan State touchdowns, fumble, end of half, interception, punt, and then the touchdown that started the three straight touchdowns. But they have they have to be almost perfect in order to offset these large stretches of time when the defense just kind of caves in, and that's what happened. I thought a lot of, you know, after going through the game, I mean, I can point to individuals and say, well, he did some good things, he did some good things, but collectively, they're not cohesive at all, and everybody can see that. Yeah, there's a disturbing trend in these losses, save for the Stanford loss last year. Notre Dame is getting behind and scrambling to come back in these games. I mean, it happened with Texas. It obviously happened against Michigan State. It happened against Ohio State. It happened against Clemson. They, they are getting It happened all of November the previous season. They're getting way behind and scrambling to come back. And then the, the buzzword is, you know, our resiliency and all that. Resiliency is just another term for we were getting killed. The other team led up and we came back. In this instance, it, it, that's yes. exactly what it yeah, is. Yeah, Clemson's a bad example of that. They just got jumped on. But everything else, they're just getting murdered. And they start finding their way back. Yeah, I mean, I almost feel like this was more of an exception in that regard because offensively, it's like they were moving the ball, but it was just it was weird and funky. And defensively, I mean, they turned them over with a stud still pick. Um, you know, I'm more used to seeing like Arizona State, uh, Clemson, where they just come out. A, it, it takes them a couple drives to get in gear. Like they were in gear immediately. Like. The stadium had a good vibe to it. Uh, I mean, even after the Sanders run back was called back. Yeah, the fact they scored the first touchdown after the Sanders run back was called back seemed like it would be a very good, you know, omen going forward. Yeah, and then 36 points later it wasn't. But um, to me, this this wasn't a game where Notre Dame came out unprepared in like a mental flat kind of way. It was a game that Mark D'Antonio outcoached Brian Kelly, and it just seemed like everything Michigan State did worked uh, what they do with rj shelton was great i mean he was sort of a swiss army knife for michigan state offensively and they always seemed to match him up in a, in a bad way and then of course they just made some plays that Notre Dame didn't make yeah. uh, from a physical standpoint the donnie corley cole luke in the end zone uh, and then you have notre dame just really struggling on special teams uh, from the penalty to the two-point conversion to the other penalty on nico fertita um, which is just, just which just is just him playing, you know, badass. It bad just doesn't make and, sense. You know, I mean, it's just he's actually had that coming though. If you when you rewatch the games, there's one every he got away with one in Texas and, and drew one, he, and it, it happened against Nevada. They just didn't call it. It's 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 gonna happen again. The <laughs> I mean, ground, he just keeps doing it. To, the ground game, man. I I just felt that coming. I, I just you know, did. I mean, he did pull it, the trigger it just on that one. yeah, because I mean. <laughs> Josh Adams and seven yards of carry, and, and it's just like, okay, let's talk about this after the Michigan State game. And, and so, Notre Dame rushes for 43 yards in the first quarter, and then rushes for 14 yards the rest of the game. It's not a, not, not a great trend there. No, that hasn't, that, that, that's kind of like that back in 2011, that USC loss where they were running so well and they had whatever, 43 yeah. yards rushing the entire game. And it just, it's inexplicable. It goes that badly. You should, it, but look. I will say they when Michigan State was rolling, Notre Dame was trying to run, and Josh Adams just getting nailed yeah, at the line of scrimmage. They Michigan were, they were trying. linebackers were great. Yeah, they yeah. played a great, great game. Um, they yeah they just were penetrating, hitting gaps. Um, Resky was 
outstanding. I mean, he was arguably the best player on the field. He didn't even play. That was uh, his first game. He was he, a little banged up. Man, first game. he was just all over the place. Um, you know, the sack he had on Kaiser was was a great play, and it's like you go back and watch that play. Mustafer sort of gets suckered in, makes a mistake, and Ecomini St. Brown is freaking wide open down the seam. Um, I mean, that should have been a 60 and it was executed. Game, and it was a sack. It was executed so well. The timing of Reschke's mm-hmm. break to the quarterback was impeccable and that's a cohesive that's cohesive defense that's that's what uh that's what they do that's yeah i mean they do forget, every year. yeah we talk about oh it's year three of van gorder it's year infinity of mark d'antonio yeah uh, i mean that's his defense you know we can spend time on pat narduzzi leaving and the similarities and differences but there are two defense coordinators trestle and barnett go back to cincinnati with d'antonio and it's it is d'antonio's defense so that's that's you have to give credit to continuity and just good coaching and their fun. Michigan State does not beat themselves. Are they going to go fourteen and zero? No, but there you can just throw them out there and pencil in nine or ten wins every year now, uh, and that's that's a, a real compliment to that staff. And his stamp was all over that game from the just the, the going for two on the first. It was it's not genius. It's just an obvious. Here we are. Let's go. It's yeah. not we're, not, we're not tying you up, it's alright, you're not going to be ready for this, so we're going to go out and score. And after the game, someone asked me about it, he's just like, we came here to win. <laughs> a lot of guys yeah, come to they, win, but just went, to go do and that. And went for fourth and one yeah. on their own 44-yard yeah, line in opening series. I mean, he, his stamp was all over Without hesitation. No. You know, and without a timeout. And, yeah, they're not taking a timeout, <laughs> um, you know, Notre Dame gets, at the end of the game... You know, the timeout before the punt was bad, and then clearly the coverage on uh, Corley by Luke was bad. Although the way Brian Kelly... I, I couldn't tell if Brian Kelly yelling at Van Gorder and Light on the sideline was the inability to properly coach that coverage or the factor in that coverage at all. Just play simple well, man-to-man said it was defense. A, he said it was a basic coverage. After the game, he said it's a basic. But I'm however, saying, like, he described if, it. Do you need to play a basic zone coverage or just play basic man coverage? Well, you know, because I, I would need, think Tyler O'Connor, if he sees man, he's just like, okay, I'm just not throwing. You need this. to you need to play a coverage that you're going to execute, whether <laughs> yeah. it's man. Or, so or there wasn't zone, a, there wasn't think, a call. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there was no yeah. call to make. You're not going to execute. It's just bad on all counts. And, Cole, and you know, Cole Lucas' 29th career start. It was it was a I mean it was a bad it was game. A, it was his worst it, one. It was a bad game. You know here. Think about what I mean. I don't know what went through your head, but when the throw to Corley in the end zone, my first thought was, "Oh, that's pick," because you could oh, see he's yeah. in position. He turned his head, he gathered his weight, but when he jumped, he kind of opened his shoulder and kind of jumped backwards. Well, Corley's going straight up, and you and and that's you know that to me that's a technique. Think you're you're in position, and then you get a bad jump to the ball, and a guy's in a stronger position to, to wrestle it away. From I you. think you have to. Uh, I, Donnie Corley was a elite recruit. So if that is an average receiver, Cole Luke probably just breaks it up. But it's not. It's Donnie Corley. And, you know, when you throw that kind of talent out there, if you make that mistake, your technique's yeah. a little bit off, yeah. they have the, they, they can out-talent you in that position, yeah. and that's not something uh, they really, Michigan State they, does a lot. He was really, you know, it was a Furman game, but in his first game, college football game, they really didn't. I think he caught a pass, and he really... I don't believe was targeted much at all. He wasn't even hardly in the game plan. Mm-hmm. Well, here it was t- two weeks later, build upon his first game in a uniform, and and he was an integral part. But you're right, R.J. Shelton is really really well utilized. 
Uh, don't necessarily know that that's a guy that's going to be playing on Sundays, but it's a guy with assets. Rebounded from his interception runs. against Notre Dame three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Um, That's right. <laughs> you know, runs well laterally uh, to the line of scrimmage. They can do things with him there. I mean, he, he had eight catches for 80 yards, but how many of those were yeah. shovels? Yeah, I mean, yeah, probably I, yeah, four or five. I thought Michigan State showed a lot of creativity offensively, which is not something you associate with Michigan State. Um, you know, they had the unbalanced line on the 73-yard touchdown, which yeah. clearly Notre Dame did not play well because... You don't give up a untouched seventy-three yard touchdown unless you're out of alignment. It may not. It. I mean, I agree. It was creative, but if you're going against a sound defense, you probably don't think about Michigan State's creativity because they stop a lot of that stuff. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it was a good game plan. Mark D'Antonio and his staff outcoached Brian Kelly and his staff, no doubt about it. So where does Notre Dame go from here? Uh, aside from into Duke, which does not look good right now, um, you know, and the the trap game. <laughs> It's sort of off the table when you're it one is. and two. It is. The trap game all um, goes away. I, I'll be really curious to see how they respond. I mean, the state, they're going to have to, this will be a you must bring your own energy game. Oh, there will be um, none. The stadium, t- the stadium yeah. atmosphere is, is yeah. it's going to resemble. I do think, like, look, we all we all get the <laughs> two narrative. Two tickets available, face value, <laughs> yeah. sorry. We all sort of get the narrative that the season is over, but the season is only over in the sense that they're out of the college football playoff. The season is not literally over. And I don't really expect Notre Dame to come out in a flat, lethargic, unprepared way. Um, does that mean they're going to be fundamentally sound on defense? No, but I don't. I don't expect Notre Dame to just kick it in. Um, no, I think the players are playing hard. I yeah, mean, they, yeah. they, they, I, I think they played they, hard. I think they like playing with each other. Yeah, um, I, it's I over agree. for the fans that are mad. It's yeah. not over. the players will play hard even if yeah. they are three and three going into right. I mean, the people that throw their hands week, up and say be, this yeah. is over, I'm looking next year. Well, then don't watch. I mean, yeah. that, that that's ridiculous. I do think this though, but still, listen and to I our feel, podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I feel strongly about about this and the whole fire Van Gorder and all that. Look, that that's outrageous. Do you can you imagine the upheaval that you would have behind closed doors? Organizing, you're preparing for an opponent. And organizing a whole a, a different leader of the defense, it's it's easy on the outside to say fire them, but on the inside, the, the nuances and the details of getting that organized would be outrageous. But I do think they run the risk of this. I think the defensive players who are fighting their butts off, their spirit's going to be broken here, man. I mean, if you keep if you keep pounding the rock and you don't show results, and they're gonna, they're going to win this week and next week, they're going to be three and two going to NC State. But, but you know, you keep pounding a rock like that and you don't have success. I think the spirit of half your football team is going to be shattered because you, do, you, do you really think that they're, they're motivated to play for Brian Van Gorder and to be successful for Brian Van Gorder? I don't think so. But does Brian Kelly agree with you? Because, and I, I agree, he's not going to get fired. He's not getting fired in the season unless, unless you see this against Syracuse or something like that. That's the only type of situation where it could go from 1% to 20 do you think Brian? Do you think Brian Kelly believes that? Because if he does believe that that they're not going to play for Brian Van Gorder, then the conversation has to exist. I think Brian Kelly looks at a lot of factors, and yeah. one of them is the upheaval it would yes. cause within your organization to prepare for an opponent, and then the next one, and then the next one, while trying to make a transition with your coaching staff. It he as much as he he need, he wants continuity, he needs continuity. He won't even consider it because of the upheaval it would create. Honestly, and I thought about this this morning because I knew this was coming up, he would have to coach the defense if he fired Brian Van Gorder because you can't – all the other moving parts don't work. 
he has guys in place that can coach the offense. I'm not saying he's not going to have a stamp on the offense, but Brian Kelly would have to coach the defense if you fire Brian Van Gordy. You can't just say Bob Elliott. He, Bob Elliott's semi-retired right now. I mean, he does a great job. I don't know. He's on role. the field during pregame yeah. going through going through <laughs> stuff with the DBs while they're running through. I, but I'm saying all the things the defensive coordinator has to do, Bob Elliott is not probably physically capable of doing that I would, right I now. Agree. I, mean, that, I agree. I agree. That's difficult. why it's an outrageous he's obvious, suggestion. He's the obvious guy that would be the one to do it. <laughs> with Greg Hudson, with, with previous coordinating yeah, experience... Boy, I, God, I, I, I mean, I, I hesitate just to even talk about it because it's, it is outrageous. It's an outrageous notion, but the, it's happened. Like Texas fired their offensive coordinator after Week One last year. It, it's when they were with half of the Notre Dame game, you know. Yes. It, it, but that's, it's not going. We we really don't think it's going to happen. I'm just saying that really the only option, if Brian Kelly were to do it, he'd have to be like, I am taking over the defense while we settle into this. And you certainly, if you're going to do it. What do you do it before the Stanford game? I mean, you better not. This would be the time to do it, and they're not going to do it. So that's once you get past that point. Yeah, and I think that the the issue for people who are listening to this podcast or fans of Notre Dame football is just like the upside to doing that is low. Um, yeah. It's not. It's not going to solve a problem. The what needs to be solved is the defense for next year. The defense for this year is the defense, um, and it sort of goes back to. It's not completely dissimilar to the Zaire-Kaiser thing. If you spent all August and you couldn't tell them apart, and then you put them in the first game and it's that obvious, that, to me, speaks poorly of your offseason and your training camp. The fact that your defense is so misaligned and fundamentally unsound, that speaks poorly to your training camp and your offseason. So all this stuff, to me, is, is baked into the defense. Can they get better here and there? and improve some fundamentals, absolutely, yes. There's no reason that Notre Dame needs to accept what's happening for the next nine games. But to say that you're going to turn it around and suddenly you're going to get back to super fundamentals uh, in, a, in a Bob Diaco scheme, like that's just crazy. Um, you have to look at your young players and try to get them a little bit better. You have to get Tavon Coney a little bit better, Studsell a little bit better, Dalen Hayes a little bit better, Jay Hayes a little bit healthier. Um but you're not going to see massive improvement the rest of the way. The but defense I, I, is the defense. I don't think I don't think turnaround is the next step. Stability is the next no. step. Turnaround is four or five steps away. Yeah. No. Um, you know, more fundamentally sound. And I do like you know. I mean, I thought I thought Tillery Tillery that, the that best, is that his the, best game no in Notre Dame uniform. Jerron Jones at a certain point, Jerron Jones' motor cuts off. Okay, but I, I thought he continued to fight through the fourth quarter. I like the things that Jonathan Bonner brought to the equation. I like the idea of Dalen Hayes and Julian Okwara doing something for you off the edge, although Okwara is just not going to be strong enough against most tackles. Um, you know, Brian Kelly said the Will linebacker's been inconsistent. James Anawalu is a difference maker. Yeah, I mean, Niles Morgan has like 18 solo tackles from the Mike linebacker spot. Um, Will's been inconsistent. But when they've put the replacement in there, he's played pretty well. Coney played well when he replaced Martini. Martini Martini played well when he replaced Coney. I thought Kelly made a good point about those two. They they are good practice players. They just haven't had great games. I could see that though with those guys. I could see you go into end of practice and Thursday and go, you know what? Coney had a really good week. He's yeah, gonna, he's gonna have a good game. Yeah, and then, you know yeah. it doesn't always work out. But for I, I mean, aren't you seeing some young guys that are doing individually? Yeah. You see some things. It's like, all right, maybe you can build upon that, but. They're not a unit. I mean, they are they are not a unit. Man, when they cave, they cave. And the back end is so hamstrung against yeah. athletes. Other teams have them. 
Yeah, yeah, it's um, safe. They have a athletic deficiency at safety right now, and that's that gets back to what I'm saying. That's baked into the defense. That's not changing. That is not going to change until next year. So you have to deal with it. Um, that doesn't mean Devin Sudso can't continue to make a lot of progress from start. He needs to one, play to all the two, time to start three and moving forward because you're just not getting much from Sebastian and Tranquil. Um, in, in a covered I am stunned situation. at how good Tranquil is in short space and how exposed he is the, the more that that space I mean, we, increases. We talked about it in the summer. You know, it's it just, Two ACLs. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, and we can talk all we want about, oh, you, you came back from that injury, but you're going against guys with no ACL injuries. And that's a real thing. I mean, you can... We, we spend too much time focusing on like one little part of it and not looking at what's happening on, on the other side. But of if the you ball. think about it coming out of high school, the question about him was, does he have the mobility to play safety? I mean, that, that was the question mm-hmm. at that time, too. So certainly the two ACLs hasn't helped, but he was starting at a deficit to, to begin with. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's a difficult situation defensively because I, I don't. They can adjust things and improve 5%, 10%, 15%, but to have a full turnaround where that's a long way away. But I, I do want to reiterate, and I know you're not saying this, but we have to reiterate, it's not like they fell into this situation. Yeah. Yeah, that's It's true not too. they didn't fall into this situation. They, they they coached into this situation. They recruited all these players for this scheme. And this is what they're in. Yeah, that is that is Bad luck with Crawford. Crawford would help. It's not the whole thing. You'd still can, have slow safeties. Can you expect them to be, I mean, whether you change coordinator or, or not, can you expect them to be an improved tackling team as the season goes on? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Then that's, that's something then where that's, you can improve. Then that's a you got to you got to look small. I think on some of these. Yeah, that's small. That's you could work on that, and you could become. I mean, that's that wouldn't even be small. It'd be such a difference. Do you know how many times you look at a defensive back, a corner flailing at a Michigan State player in that game? That was the word we kept. You were like, oh god, just Coleman did it first. Then we kept assuming it was him, and it wasn't. It was Luke, or it was somebody, or a stud still. Yeah, yeah. It was somebody. I think I said yeah. the wrong name twice. He's like, it was stud still. There was. All right, let's uh... <laughs> get off the defense. Yeah, well, let's <laughs> let's move on. We'll 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 be back for a second segment. Burning up the boards is segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, and we start with a question from Uganda. Explain the thinking, wasting a timeout, and punting. Don't you need all three timeouts on defense? Yep. Um, I don't think that there was thinking. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't understand why they did it, and then I understood it less after Brian Kelly explained it. Um, he didn't give you the real answer. Because why? Because I thought if he had said, we were thinking about going for it, I wanted to see what defense Michigan State came out in, we didn't get the look that we wanted. We felt like we had to punt. Then I would just be like, well, shouldn't you just take the penalty? But it wasn't even that. It was we were going to punt the whole time. So that 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 made no sense. <laughs> but that was the real answer. What you just described. I hope so. Is what actually happened on the field. <laughs> I hope and it, so. It, and, you're, and then he, he should have taken the, the delay because there's only going to be seven yeah. more seconds runoff or whatever was left. I will say one thing. If you just run out there and punt right away, the clock does run. You, you save about 20 25 seconds total, which could be very important. But um, it was just a bad, it was just a, a tactical I mistake. Think t- taking the five yards is what makes the most sense. Yeah, but they just didn't me, think about you it. Know, I don't think. If you're going to do that. It's bad, no matter, which, no matter what yeah. it is, it was, a, it was not handled well. Irish Bob, as a coach, what happens when the identity of a team is not the identity that you want? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, 
And I think it sort of goes back to what we were talking about the first segment about, look, you got to you gotta have a better August. You got to better have an, a better March. You got to have a better April. Um, so that's, it puts you, puts you in a difficult position because you, you this, look, the, the identity is the identity and it, they're um, a high powered offense that, is growing on the offensive line and defensively, they're just sort of all over the all over the. I don't map. think that that's uh, uh, outrageously out of line from what we anticipated, is it? I think it was a problem when Kaiser, when you asked Kaiser before the first game that our identity is we don't have one. I know it was a cute answer, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how the offense can evolve he, and beat. No, I know he, he meant it was multiple. Right, but that's he meant it was multiple, but it, it's. It's not right now. I mean, against a good team, it hasn't been. It, but look, this is a great question because the offensive line is not as good as we thought it was going to be. Right? Yeah, and, well, 25% of the season is over, and yeah. it has yeah, not been. I mean, yeah, it's, they, have a couple tough, they have a couple easy ones coming up and a couple tough tests coming up because NC State's defensive line, as you previewed, it's going to come at other, yeah. I don't know that their team's good enough, right. but they're, going to, they're definitely going to challenge Nordheim's offensive line. It's a line. true road game. Notre Dame's not going to go kill NC State, just in case people want to get their plans ready for that day. I will tell you right now, in a true road game, Notre Dame, will pro- Notre Dame can win the game. Of course, Notre Dame will be slightly favored and most likely win the game because of Pete's reality of NC State. <laughs> the Dave te- Dorn effect. The Dave Dorn effect of 0-18 versus what? Teams that- teams, uh, yeah, teams that finished with a winning record. Wow. Okay, no, so, wow. So they should win that game, but it's not going to be easy. You're assuming Notre Dame's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I like Notre Dame to at least be 7-5. Yes, okay. It's not going to be an easy one, and then the next week... Against Stanford, it's not going to be an easy one either. This offensive line has to get a lot better these next two weeks to survive the two after that. Or to help them win the game. Not just to help yeah. them win. Yeah. And they should. I mean, that's yes. one thing if you're like, are you confident this is going to improve up and down the roster? And you said, is your, are you confident the offensive line is going to improve? Yes, yes. 100%. I like, am too. I didn't even think uh, twice about yeah. that one. Um, I feel good about that. So Next up, Grisimo. We're going to skip that one, apparently, and move on to Wash ND. We keep talking about Brian Mangorder's future, but what about Brian Kelly? He has led Notre Dame to zero BCS wins, only two double-digit win seasons in the last seven years. I had already written off this season. <laughs> Do you think that Brian Kelly is really going to lead Notre Dame to anything more than, quote-unquote, not bad at this point, asking for a friend? And we had some debate about whether the Tom H. sense for Tom Hammond or Tom Herman. <laughs> Tom Herman's a better one. I was um, wrong. Yeah. So, anyway, that's the question. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I mean, I think you make a good point. I think when Brian Kelly has a pat hand, which when you look back at the pros on a 2012 team defensively, that was kind of a pat hand. I don't know that we necessarily realized that fully going into the season. And then last year, you know, Brian Kelly keeps talking about the 10 pros that were on last year's team, and they won 10 games. So when when, the, when they build up to the point where you think they are a double-digit uh, winning team, They've done that, uh, but the fact is, they're usually not. They usually don't have a pat hand. And with the loss on Saturday, Notre Dame, of course, dropped out of top twenty-five, which means just once in seven seasons has Notre Dame been ranked in the preseason through the postseason. Pat hand. I mean, they were starting Kavari Russell. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm talking about the pro, the pros yeah. up front. Yeah. The guy, the yeah. guys that, okay. the guys that made you great. Yeah. Were the two its Nick's tail? Those yeah, are NFL front seven. Players. I just don't want to look back at 2012 in retrospect. Of the no, they ball. built. They, they were loaded. Like they had a redshirt freshman quarterback and a freshman corner. Who when they're at their back. most talented, which has been 
those two years, yeah. they've won double digit games. I, I think the way, and this is probably better for, say for a question down the line about your report cards, but I think the way looking at 2015 is he walked into that season with 10 wins last year, right? Yeah, I mean, we, all, all, thought, we yes. all thought last year was going to be a 10 win yeah, season. Yeah, and, and I think maybe 2012, he certainly didn't walk in with anything near what he finished no. with. Was, I would, yeah. I would say this question, you know, if it's more about Brian Kelly, I, his next defensive coordinator hire will probably be his last. And probably his most important hire. Well, easily um, his most important yeah. hire, right? There's no... Well, right now his most important hire is Brian Van Gorder. Because that's where yeah. they are because of it right now. The offense is... Look, for the first four years, we had a theory, working for different outlets, that if you could score two touchdowns against... More than two touchdowns against Notre Dame, you'd win. Because they couldn't score. Now the theory is... Notre Dame's got to score five touchdowns to win a game. So he has turned the offense totally around. He has exactly the offense he wants. They have a good offense. It was weird that it sputtered at times. They have a very good offense. We could beat this to death. The defensive coordinator hire next has to be... It doesn't even have to be perfect. It just has to be solid. He has a good offense. Yeah. Just play regular They're averaging defense. 38 a game, and yeah. that's gonna go, that is going to go it's up the next up. two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for whatever that's worth. All right, next up, Chuck Darnay. There were internet murmurings that Todd Light was fairly clueless as a low-level assistant with the Philadelphia Eagles. Does this guy have a clue, or am I searching for a scapegoat? I would say that you are. Yeah, I think. Clueless? Yeah, he's definitely not clueless. clueless. He was was well-regarded from what we could gather, people that we know who have some knowledge and credibility around NFL, that he was well-regarded with the Philadelphia Eagles. That doesn't mean that he was ready immediately on day one to be a full-time assistant at Notre Dame. Uh, but I think there was a, there's a ton of potential in Todd Light still. Um, I'm not not ready to, to walk away from that one Yeah, the, the, I think people do focus a lot on a position coach when one position plays poorly because I like to think back to uh, the 2012 bringing Bob Elliott and you have a secondary, <laughs> makeshift secondary that doesn't give up anything over 25 yards all season for a touchdown and the exact same... Coaches back in 2013 and Farley and Collinsworth have a bad year and all of a sudden Bob Elliott's an idiot. I mean, it's not, it, it, there's a lot more to it than Todd Light's teachings right now in the secondary. It's Todd Light was a, was a great college football player. He was a quality NFL player. I, I've known Todd for a long time. He's a smart guy. He's a thoughtful, introspective guy. And when we get Does that mean he can to watch him coach? We're, I mean, not that we are the end-all, be-all of this, but I'm impressed by Todd Light yeah. when he coaches. Yeah. 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 And I, I, mean, I asked Brian Kelly about this at the bowl game before they played Ohio State, and he admitted, yeah, look, this was a learning year for him. Um, it was not... Didn't have a great roster to work with with all the injuries, is for sure. Um, and really the same thing is true now. Yeah. Uh, but he's a, he would be an ascending assistant coach in my mind. I, I think that's somebody that you have invested a lot in already. You want to reap the rewards of that later. And I, I think ultimately Notre Dame will. Uh, I guess you guys should ask me this question. Yes, this is from JP91761. Tim Priester. After seven years, what is the cumulative GPA of the coaching staff through your report cards? Did you I first of all? Did you go back? No, I'm a little detail. busy in the 48 hours after a game. I, I, I didn't go back and look it up, but I, I will say that I, I am throwing out F's more freely than I used to. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. I was just firing them out at about three o'clock in the morning uh, after the that, game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't know, but, uh, but, but certainly. Um, you know, that grade's been altered a, a few times. I mean, I, I just can't. I thought about maybe that should be a D, but I mean, on, on, on what what would I base that upon? I, I, you, 
No, Saturday you gave up thirty. You gave up thirty six straight points <laughs> yeah, yeah. and got destroyed for two for the second and third quarter. I I just don't. You know, your special teams the same thing. It was enough. You don't really, defend your pick on that. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know what the cumulative grade grade is. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, you need an intern to go back and add those yeah. up. Just yeah. don't get Brian Kelly's intern on Twitter to do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> Sterling James. Last year, you guys, Pete, Tim, and Tim, pretty much nailed every game prediction back by what you saw and knew, even picking the Notre Dame losses correctly. Why have you guys been so off the mark by a lot? <laughs> Why the disparity? <laughs> I like the question because it's true. It's funny because it's true. One hundred percent true. Uh, Jack, tell him. No, <laughs> tell him. I'm three and zero against the spread, man. Oh, what's the problem? Well, I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't think. Did anybody think Texas would? Yeah, I guess a lot of experts did on TV. But did anybody think that Texas was going to narrow the gap so much that they were going to beat Notre Dame in double overtime? Well, I think they were gonna, I mean, just I the fact they, they, they scored, scored fifty, 50. was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's remarkable what happened in that game. We think about it. It's a, that's, <laughs> that's really absurd. And then, I mean, I, I, I do believe I would have picked Michigan State if Notre Dame had been 2-0 and going into that game. But Yeah, you, you were on that all summer. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I just felt like, um, you know, Notre Dame must win. Notre Dame has a little bit more. They have a better understanding of what they have having played two games, whereas Michigan State didn't. Uh, we don't know why we're so far off so far. No, I mean, look. We, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you we're know, on a roll last year. We underestimated Mark D'Antonio in the situation. Yeah. I, yes, I we did. We did, and that was my lament. And I said, never underestimate Mark. That was D'Antonio. my lament, and I brought it up in instant analysis. We were on the field. I just mm-hmm. my thought was we're looking at them on film against Furman and all the stuff that didn't look good, and their program is their program deserved. <laughs> Our respect, they didn't get it, and that's yeah. what happened against Michigan yeah. State. I mean, yeah. I think for me at least, I, I overestimated what this whole year three of Van Gorder would mean. Like, I, I thought stuff would change, and it hasn't. So it's like I got did you? I got hoodwinked. <laughs> I get <laughs> you three I times. Was, shame on you. <laughs> I took Michigan State in the preseason, yeah. but again, it was only because I thought Norton would be two and zero. So we, you know, we suck. What can we say? <laughs> Jay Law won. You're Brian Kelly. What is one thing you can accomplish in the next six days that will carry you through the rest of the year? I mean, I think you, we made a point earlier on. The tackling. is You can be fundamentally sound tackling. You don't have to be to beat Duke, but you have to be to beat teams of the future, right? If you don't tackle well, the Syracuse game will be annoying, and they'll score points, right? Mm-hmm. It will be. I yeah. mean, that will just be, instead of beating Syracuse 49-28, to 28, it's going to be 40 to 35 they're going to have the ball or something like that. If you like don't that. tackle well, the Miami game is going to be really annoying. Right, right. So I think that's something. That's a small thing to work on. That would be the number one thing. Uh, the offense is fine. It was weird that they sputtered a little bit. But I think defensively, you get involved a little bit with the, and the what you, people keep saying the word fundamentals, tackling. That's one thing to work on. I would look at it a little bit differently. This goes back to something and you guys mentioned the first segment. Is if I'm Brian Kelly my mandate to the coaching staff is to build them up this week instead of rip them down. Mm. Um, I think that this would be a week where going positive and keeping it light would benefit the team more than grinding their butts to the ground, uh, which is, I think, difficult for coaches to do sometimes coming off a loss. I think it's it's hard to make that transition. I'm not saying you need to have an ice cream party on Wednesday afternoon, but... I, I think more of a we're all in this together mentality than like 
we are going to work you and work you and work you and just grind you down. I think that would be a good approach. I don't. I don't have a unique thought to this question. I agree with both of you. I mean, I I, I think that those are both good ideas. Certainly, tackling the one physical thing yeah. that you can accomplish, you need to get better on a daily, weekly basis as a tackling team. And as a coach, you need to pick your spots when you hammer your team and when you don't. And I don't think this is a good time to hammer them. Now, if you want to do that in preparation for Miami or Stanford or even at NC State, I understand that. And obviously, you're going to have to be prepared and on your toes when you play Syracuse's offense. But I agree with both points. I think those are um, coming from different perspectives. They're both important this week. Factor 37 asks, Kelly's first four years were needed to stabilize things and lay the foundation of a program. The 2012 season should have led to the program taking the next step as a consistent top 10 program capable of winning any game. How far has the BVG era set back the program from reaching that level, and how quickly can this lost time be recovered? Oh, I mean, barely 48 hours, because during this podcast, they picked up a four-star defensive end. Um, So, look, I, I don't think that the the BVG era has set the program back any more than as far as this season will go. Because if you make a change in January and you put in a new defense and it's a look, what happens when you hear a coordinator change? You do the opposite. So instead of being a complicated NFL style defense, it's going to be a simplified basic college defense. Same way with head coaches, offense coach, defense coach. So next year, if they have a new defensive coordinator, the season's going to start, and they're going to feel really good about the installation of that defense because it's going to be a simple, straightforward approach. It affected one thing, though. I will say, no matter what, I think not no matter what. I agree with what you're saying. Notre Dame would have been a playoff team last year if a different Jalen yes. Smith yeah. on that team, that yeah. that squad yes. should have been a playoff team. Yeah. So that's the only thing it affected. But still, the pay. It's not like ten recruits reputation. Signed up because of that. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. reputation and prestige of the program, we would feel different if Notre Dame was coming off a playoff appearance last year than a Fiesta Bowl. Right. Okay, this question ties in with what Pete said. LR Irish, how did that loss affect recruiting, especially with all those recruits in the stadium? You know, look, it affected it just because they get Donovan Jeter. I think it doesn't, it wouldn't be fair or accurate to say that it had no impact whatsoever. Um, nor but, is the flip side. Yeah, nor nor is it help. I also don't buy the, wow, that defense is a mess. Like, that means I could play right away either. Um, so, I think they... It probably hurts them more with guys out of area than Midwest-ish. Donovan Jeter's from Western PA, which is becoming more and more a local spot for Notre Dame again uh, with how they're recruiting Pittsburgh Central Catholic and Phil Jerkovic. So it's um, they're doing a good job there. Um, but in terms of getting out of area guys, it hurts them. Um, I don't think there's any any debate about that. I think the mistake that we make when when it comes to recruiting weekends is we think that a kid is going to look at this like, wow, I'm I'm here at Notre Dame. How is my Notre Dame team going to do mm-hmm. today? And they don't all feel that way about the school that they're visiting. Notre they don't Dame play are, on the team that they're watching. Right, exactly. They're not. We're not part of this. I'm trying mm-hmm. to determine where I want to end yeah. up. I'm in this new environment. I'm uncomfortable, and you you know. I'm just trying to see where I fit. So in certain instances, I'm sure kids are influenced by the impact of the game. I would think in most instances they're not. Yeah, I think you're you're impacted maybe more by the atmosphere of the game day. And that was actually good despite yeah, good. the flow of the game. Um, and look, I mean, we've seen it. Do you remember, do you remember the game that Michael Floyd committed after? 
because it was a, I think, a 37 nothing loss to Michigan. Um, if you're recruiting, the impact of the game, maybe it helps you close the deal, but it shouldn't be more than just like a quick add on it. What about tail? They're yeah. throwing snowballs at yeah. us. Darius Walker said, I committed after the 37 nothing loss Florida to uh, State. Florida State. Yeah. yeah. It's the ugliest yes. game I've ever seen. Yeah. Chris Ricks, for crying out loud. Thank God he's on the schedule. Yeah, Throw the ball so over the place. The, yeah. the the impact of the outcome of the game is much less than people think, and I, I ultimately I think this will be kind of be a reminder of that. But that doesn't mean it has no. The emotions right. that you're feeling as a fan are way different than the emotions a 17, 18 year old kid is feeling trying to find the school he wants to go to. And I will say this about naming names: people like to talk about the 2011 recruiting extravaganza and the face plant that day against USC. Might have saved themselves from a couple of people that would have signed up for Notre Dame. Had that gone better yeah. for them. Yeah, they still got Gunnar <laughs> Keel out still, of it. Yeah. All right, last question. <laughs> ND025876. Is Notre Dame football, as it has been known for almost 100 years, done? No, this is not some knee-jerk response to the loss. It is a serious <laughs> query into what are we playing for? Is it achievable? Does the university, and by proxy the coaching staff it hires, have the desire to do what is needed in modern college football to be elite. If Conrad Ukropina's field goal does not go through the upright, and, the and he drilled it, and he drilled it. Just right now, Johnny. Yeah. We'll see if, if, if he pulls that a little bit, and, I, and Notre Dame doesn't necessarily make the playoffs with a win there against Stanford, but they're 11-1 and one last year during the regular season. It. You, I'm sorry, ND025876. It is a knee-jerk reaction to what is happening right now. They're they won ten games last year. I I, I don't I don't think Notre Dame. And they were it was a good. I mean, they were now, a good team. That I mean, won I, 10 no, games. look, I, I understand. Out. I understand where you're coming from. Is yeah. you know, is Notre Dame going to be a, a a power with of any consistency? I, I you know, I have my doubts about that as well. Yeah, I do too because I did think that the when Kelly was hired that. It kind of goes back to one of these questions, three, four years. I did think you'd be looking at 10, 9, 11, 9, 9, 11, as opposed to peaks and valleys of 12, 8, 9, 10, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever this. I I figured, I don't know, I figured more than two years of contention out of seven, because you can include this year now. Wouldn't you figure three years of contention out of seven? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I I think it's, there are a couple of games along the way you look back and be like, if that, you could just flip that one result, um, we would feel differently about this question, but... They're putting more than four hundred million dollars into that stadium renovation, which I know they're they're classrooms and it's academics. But the <laughs> the structure of Notre Dame Stadium is getting a ton of money poured into it. They're gonna build a second practice field. They're paying the defensive coordinator another million dollars. Their head coach is one of the top ten paid in college football. I believe. Look, they are putting a ton of money and resources into the into the football program here. So. I don't. I don't ever want to hear about why oh, they de-emphasizing football. Like it's just Notre Dame not doing what it takes to win. No, um, it, it's they're it's putting a ton of resources. Clearly going it. in the other direction. Yes, it's escalating in the yeah. other direction. If you like, if you're going to build all these suites, you have to get people to then pay the money to go. Which means you need to have a good product on the field. So, like Notre Dame is trying like health, sports science, coaching salaries, stadium renovations, practice facilities. They couldn't be doing much more than they're doing um, to be serious about football. Now, what happened on Saturday still happened, but it's not a institutional issue. 
Um, and Notre, Notre Dame is not done uh, in terms of college football. They need to be better, but they're going to keep banging their head against the wall until they get it. In seven seasons of Brian Kelly, how 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 many ten win seasons did you expect? I would think is three. three. I would think three would be fair. And then <laughs> you never want a bad one. Like I, I look at that fourteen season, the, the the November collapse, a little differently than other people because I think if you're like from the outside looking in, if you're watching Notre Dame that year, yeah, it went really bad, and he should replace Golson. But he had them in contention in early November. That's kind of the point of football if you're just mm-hmm. watching. It couldn't have gone worse at the end, and obviously you could have stemmed the tide there. But you know what I mean? He had They are in contention yeah, for the right. national but title. I, but, okay, but, okay, this will be now four years since the national title run. They will have had one 10-win season right. in four seasons. And as I said, they rolled. that was a 10-win season. That was a 10-win roster minimum. Last year's team was a 10-win Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm just going to say, right? They, they have had some <laughs> roster. Like, should they have won 10 games with Tommy Reese as your starting quarterback and Cam McDaniels as your starting running back? I don't think so. No, they won the yeah. nine. Yeah, that was, I mean, you look back. You put it uh, that way. And it's like, you don't think about that until you go back and look at the Michigan State game from three years ago. And it's like, how did Notre Dame win that game? Like, with Daniel Smith and James Anawalu as your receivers. and Oh, yeah, we don't, we don't value the moments past enough to, just, to people like to focus on the yes. negatives. I will say one thing, though. That was year four. Tommy Reese is the quarterback. Should you have won 10 games if Tommy Reese is your quarterback? Nope. Should Tommy Reese have been your quarterback in year four? Nope. No. I mean, So that also is involved. So you should have been able to find a quarterback in year four. Now your quarterback, well, they, wouldn't have been they did. Screwed you they over. One, yeah, yeah. He kind of screwed you over, and then the other one left. So that was, I guess they had two. Yeah, yeah. they had yeah. one. Um, I, I just, this season is, it's going to be hard to, I think even if they ran the table the rest of the way, you'd still look at the season and be like, well, that was disappointing. Because they were out of the college football playoff mix by mid-September. And I, I agree exactly what you're saying. You need to be in the conversation yes. in November. And even if Notre Dame runs the table, they won't be. And that's what that's also why I look back at 2014, exactly like you're saying, as not... I, I, I focus more on everything leading up to like when it all fell apart as the positive than focusing on what happened in November. I think if they ran... I, well, first of all, I don't think they'll run the table the rest of the way. I think if they did... I mean, I know what you're saying that you. Yeah, we're taking win. the outset. We're like a coach. I mean, you're, you're thinking like a coach. Yeah, I'm not saying you'd be like nine wins, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, but I think you, you just have no. to acknowledge that you were you were out of the college football playoff conversation. No, no, September 17th. It's it's it. Can, the clock it's struck just midnight. the feeling of when you wake up if you're a Notre Dame fan and you wake up on September 18th and you're two losses and out and it's 82 degrees still and it's not yeah. even the fall yet. You're like what? The hell happened. Yeah. Whereas I don't know, no, you know, they could be they could be a much better team at the end of the year and than the whole that fourteen world's, team was, right? Yes. And the whole world's talking about Louisville and Houston. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I can't even watch football anymore if I'm not watching Louisville run around quarterback there. My goodness. Yeah. So speaking of which, three stars. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well that's a good well, that's a good exit to Irish <laughs> Illustrated Insider. We'll be back on Thursday to preview Duke, talk a little bit more about recruiting, some more insight on Donovan Jeter's commitment and other prospect moves from the weekend uh, and then talk a little bit more about where Notre Dame goes from here. So until then, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, I'm Pete Sampson. You've been listening to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. I don't want you anymore because you took my joy. I don't want you anymore. You took my joy. You took my joy.